Let's go. Good morning, church. Good morning. Welcome back to the house of the Lord. Welcome home. This is home. This is our weekend home. Every time we come together, it's a great time to worship the Lord together and, uh, and have our faith collectively together to proclaim great things happening in our lives and in this church. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So good to be here again to, to preach the Word. And let's dive right in into the Word of God. This morning, the Lord has been... Actually, this particular season, the Lord has just been reminding me about a few things. And uh, one thing that is very, very important in my life is my encounters and my experiences with the Lord. It is my encounters and my experiences with the Lord. And I learned a powerful lesson from this particular man whom we don't really hear about very much, but there are some powerful things that I want us to glean from even as we read the word this morning. Why don't we stand to our feet? Let's read from 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 13 and 14. Let's stand. This is just the way I, I like to do it because we want to give reverence and awe and, and respect to the word of the Lord. All right, let's read this together. One, two, three. David brought not the ark home to himself, to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is real. Your word is truth. Your word speaks life, Lord, even till today. And we pray, Father, that your word will continue to convict each and every one of our hearts, Lord. Let, help me, O oh God, preach and teach your word in such a way that, God, people will be able to understand and the conviction of the Holy Spirit will be upon each and every one of our hearts. So, Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's, you may be seated. All right. The encounter. Oof, wow. The encounter. The moment I type this out, somebody said, oh, the encounter of the third kind. Which kind is this? Which encounter is this? The encounter. Now, I want us to, to understand a little bit about this scripture. First Chronicles chapter 13 is about, um, it's talking about how David decided to bring back the Ark of the Covenant that was stolen from them. Okay, so the Israelites lost the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, if, you are, if, you, if you're reading the Word of the Lord and you are going through uh, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 4 talks about a fight that the Israelites had with the Philistines. And in that fight, they lost the Ark. The Ark of the Lord was actually captured by the Philistines. Okay, you need to follow, on, follow along with me because if you miss this part, you won't get what I'm trying to say at the end here. So, the Ark of the Covenant was captured by the Philistines. Now, Eli, do you remember Eli? When Hannah went to pray at the temple, Eli was there. He sent his two sons with the Ark of the Covenant as the Israelites went out to battle with the Ark. And when the Philistines captured the Ark, one man, one Benjamite, ran back to Eli and told Eli, 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 you know there's been a battle and our battle and we've suffered great losses. Many of the Israelites died. Okay, many of the Israelites died and your two sons are dead. That wasn't quite the thing that shocked him. What shocked him was this. And the Ark of the Covenant was taken from us. And the moment he said that the Ark of the Covenant was taken from us, Eli fell off his chair, broke his neck and died. That was how shocked he was. What? You lost the Ark? I mean, you, you, you lost the Ark? How can anybody lose the Ark? The Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament was something that was represent, represented the very presence of the Lord. 
So when the ark was with them, they knew that God was with them. Okay, so when you, can you imagine the thought of now that the ark is completely gone? The Philistines took the ark and, can we show, show the picture of the ark? They took the ark, they fled with it and they lost the ark. That's like preposterous to even think about. You lost the presence of the Lord. Now, in the Philistines, amongst the Philistines, they, they thought that they had captured the ultimate weapon. Wow, now they have the weapon in their hands. Now they, 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 they should be the ones prospering, right? They should be the ones that will be winning all the battles and conquering. But little did they know, while they had the very physical presence, the box right there, the ark right there with them, they didn't have place in their heart for a true and living God. So what happened was, everywhere that this ark went in the Philistine city, everywhere it went, it brought calamity to them. Everywhere, every city that it went, it brought calamity, diseases to the Philistines. They started growing tumours, they started growing things, they had all these funny things that were going on with them until they realised after seven months of rotating this ark to, from one city of the Philistines to another city of the Philistines, they realised, oh my goodness, we can't keep this thing. We can't keep this ark, this is not for us. And so what they decided to do, okay, we've got to return back this ark to the Israelites and we've got to just return it, you know, we've got to give gifts as well. So they packed this ark together, put it on the cart and then rolled it somewhere. They rolled it and then the ark ended up in this place called Kiriath-Jerim. Okay, listen, yeah. The ark ended up in this place called Kiriath-Jerim and it was there, basically left there in the house of Abinadab for 70 years. 70 years. Which means the Israelites did not have the ark for... 70 years. Okay, you still following me, yeah? Okay, now, this is where 1 Chronicles chapter 13 comes in. Now, David is now in reign. He's the king. And as the king, one of the first things he wanted to do was restore national worship. To him, he said, no, the ark must come back to Israel. We have to bring the ark from Kiriath-Jerim back to Jerusalem. Correct? Good thing, right? He's restoring national worship. So what he did was, okay, let's make this, 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 let's bring this group of people, let's bring this ark back to Jerusalem. But he forgot that there is an appropriateness and there is a particular way of bringing back the ark. Remember in Leviticus, there are ways, there are specific ways on how you handle the ark. You cannot simply, not every single person can handle the ark. So as they were bringing this ark from Kiriath-Jerim to Jerusalem, this is where 1 Chron Chronicles chapter 13 was talking about. They're bringing the ark, and then suddenly the ark went over a stone and it stumbled and the ark was about to fall. Okay, can you imagine this scene? As they are shifting, shifting, shifting. Ah, the iPad is going to won't fall down. This is amazing. Ah, it's going to fall. So straight away, this man, by the name of Uzzah, what did he do? What would you do if something was about to fall? Catch, right? So this man by the name Uzzah, who was near to the ark, immediately turned around and held the ark up. But what happened to him? The Bible says he was struck dead there and then. He was struck dead there and then because this was not his place to, to touch the ark. And that frightened David. So this whole project of moving the ark from Kiriath-Jerim to Jerusalem was put on a halt because of this drama that happened. Uzzah died. As a result of that, David said, he had a fear in him, I cannot bring the ark back. I'm not ready for this. 
I'm not ready, we're not ready, we're not prepared. We didn't get all these things right. We have to get it right before we bring it back to Jerusalem. So what he did was, in verse, can we go back to the scripture, verse 13? So this is what David's solution is. So David brought the ark, not, not, brought not the ark home to himself, to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom. Wow, perfect. Something you don't want your pastor to chuck into somebody's house, you know. <laughs> so he put it into Obed-Edom's house. Now, who is Obed-Edom? Obed-Edom is somebody you don't, you've never, you don't hear about him, you don't even hear about his name anywhere else until suddenly you hear this name, Obed-Edom, repeated here. Okay? Obed-Edom was a Levite. And he was probably from the sub subgroup called the Kohatites, which are the group that was assigned to take care of the ark. It was the group that was assigned to know how to properly handle the, everything about the ark. So he is actually a perfect candidate to take the ark. To put the ark into his house, he was actually a perfect candidate. So then he hosted the ark of the covenant for how long? Hey, you all right, right? Just now together? So, no, 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 I, I bluff you, okay? It's not something I'm just saying. He, left, he hosted the Ark of the Covenant in his house for three months, okay? He hosted, ah, thank you. And so, in the house, and the Ark of the God, Ark of God remained in the family of Obed-Edom. In his house, three, three months, okay? Wow. And something happened to him. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. And it talks about the encounter of God. The encounter that all of us need to have with the Lord. I want to explain to you something, a few things here that I want to point out, which is this. Firstly, the encounter of God leaves a life changed. The encounter of God leaves a life changed. Obed Edom hosted the Ark of the Covenant for three months. And something happened. He and his household were blessed. We're not told how exactly they were blessed. Okay, we're not told. Maybe his health was blessed. Maybe his, uh, you know, whatever, if he planted, if there are plantations around there, you know, we've heard of revivals, how when revival actually happened, and then, you know, their vegetation and everything becomes like extra big, and you know, there's lusciousness, and there's fruitfulness in their household. There is just amazing things that are happening. Just, just bless. He's blessed. He's blessed beyond measure. And people saw, people, David himself knew about it. He saw the blessings of the Lord that was upon him. Something happened. It left his life changed. Christianity is an experiential relationship with a living God. It's an experiential relationship with a living God. How God, ex how God encounters me and how God encounters you is very different. Correct? How God speaks to you about your circumstance and how God tells you to do certain things, gives you direction for certain things, is very different from how He would speak to me and, uh, and, and, and give, me, to give me that direction. How the Lord ministers to you here, whether at the altar or at home or whatever it is, is very different. Some people cry, some people fall under the power of God, some people laugh, some people has, has got no, no, you don't, don't see any facial expression, but God is working in and through their lives, correct? So it's a very experiential a relationship that we have with the living God because God is a very personal God. Amen? Amen? Don't you think? Don't, isn't it amazing? Because there is no template that says God must work and function only this way. 
God is a very personal God and He experiences us and He encounters us in a very different way. I can explain, you know, how great He is, how amazing He is and how until and unless the person actually experiences and have that personal encounter with God, all those things will just be here. Correct? How many of you have had encounters with God before? When you know that the presence of the Lord has been upon you. Come on. Are there any people who have encountered God before? Are those in the balcony, under the balcony? Have you ever encountered God? Yes. I believe that's why you are seated here. That's why you are still here in this church. That's why you are still here in your faith because there was a direct encounter because the encounters of God really solidifies whatever you have learned in your head, whatever you understand with your head. Suddenly, when you have that encounter with God, you realize that you are serving and undeniably that this is a true and living God in your life. Correct? Undeniably, you cannot deny it because no other God, no, no, nothing else could have caused that breakthrough to happen. Nothing else could have caused that amazing thing to happen in your life. Nobody else knew the situation, but only God did. So God encounters us. God encounters us so powerful, it changes lives. I love what Bishop T.D. Jakes wrote. He said, God cannot be explained. He must be revealed. God cannot be explained. He must be revealed. And that is my prayer, that every single one of you, you have a revelation of God in your life. We can be preaching here, we can be teaching here, and that's very good. We all need the Word of God to be soaked into our hearts, into our spirit. But more than anything, you need to also have that personal encounter with the Lord that solidifies whatever you hear here and you know here. The encounter with God that will change lives. Let me tell you that one encounter changes everything. One encounter changes everything. Jacob, in his dream in Bethel, the moment he had that encounter with the Lord, he turned into from, from a trickster, someone who, was, who stole the birthright of his brother Esau. Remember, we talked about that. Who stole it to be Israel, the prince of God. Someone who would lead, someone who would be the father of nation, of the people of God. Moses, the encounter with the great I am in the burning bush, turned him from a stuttering, stuttering shepherd to a man that led a whole army, a whole nation of Israel out of Egypt. Peter's encounter at the Sea of Galilee when the Lord called him, caused him to drop his nets and say, forget it, I no, I no longer be a fisherman anymore, I will be a fisher of men. Saul's encounter with the Lord caused him to be some, changed him from someone who was persecuting the church of Jesus Christ to be someone who was sold out later in his life. His name was changed to Paul. And you know, the missionary exploits he had, he planted churches, he was, he was a faith healer, he was an evangelist, he was an apostle. One encounter. One encounter. How many of you know who Joan of Arc is? You've heard of Joan of Arc in our history books. Joan of Arc's encounter of, vi of visionary guidance from the Lord changed the life of an uneducated peasant girl into that of a renowned counsellor, strategist, military leader, and consecrated martyr for the purposes of God in France during her generation. D.L. Moody, have you heard of D.L. Moody? D.L. Moody encountered the, with the calling of God during a prayer meeting in the hayfield, changed him from a poorly educated, unconfident shoe salesman 
into one of the greatest evangelists of modern times. He preached revivals across England and United States where tens of thousands came to know Christ as Savior. Catherine Coleman. Catherine Coleman's encounter with the relentless love of God changed an ordinary red-headed country girl into a world-impacting miracle worker and working minister for the glory of God. Billy Graham had an encounter, Billy Graham, the great evangelist, Billy Graham, who went home to be with the Lord just last year. He had a great encounter with the Lord, in, with the Holy Spirit. Where? In a small little hotel room in Los Angeles. And that encounter transformed him into one of the church's all-time great evangelists who ushered hundreds and thousands of souls into the kingdom of God. And we know a person like Pastor Bill Wilson, he was abandoned on the streets at 12 years old and a man came around and picked him up and gave him food and sent him for a camp. He encountered the Lord at that camp. Many years later, that man who picked him up, Dave, was asked, why did you send him for a camp? You know what Dave's response was? He said this, if only, I, did, I don't know, I don't know what was it, but if I just thought to myself, if only I can get this boy into the presence of God one time, maybe something would change. If only I could get this boy into the presence of God one time, maybe something would change. Wow. And it did. And this man today, senior pastor and founder of Metro World Child, as a result of all his efforts, 220,000 children meet for Sunday school every weekend all around the world because of one encounter. And I believe God has encountered many of us here today. That's why we see so many lives change, so many lives touched, so many lives transformed, so many lives that are dedicated because of that one encounter with the Lord. Obed-Edom was changed. That three months hosting the presence of the Lord, not just reading, not just knowing the Torah, not just knowing the Word. It was something that he encountered the presence of God right there. He hosted the presence of the Lord right there in his house. And something changed in him. Our kids, those of you who have children, they are second generation Christians. They need an encounter of the Lord more than anything you need to pray that your children have encounters with the Lord so that whatever they learn in Sunday school, whatever they learn in the youth church will be solidified and they understand who this God is. They're not living off your experience and my experience. Our children need an encounter with God. That's why the church is also encouraging, you know, every first week of the month, there will be a family family worship time where the children who are age 7 to 12, they will be joining us here for worship Church, show them. Let's encourage them to worship the Lord. Let's encourage them to understand that their personal relationship and their personal walk with the Lord is so important. In fact, we're just going to start this in April. We want to have a time where the ch children will come along with us, sit in service with us. Don't despise the children. They still, they're still learning. Encourage them. Say, good job. You know, listen, let's listen to the Word of God together. Tell me what did the pastor say? Encourage them. Encourage them. Because they need a personal encounter with the Lord more than anything else. That's the only thing that will keep them going. That's the only thing that has kept me going. 
the encounters with God leaves a life changed. And not only did it leave a life changed, the encounter of God leaves you wanting more. It leaves you wanting more. Now, remember I told you about the story? They were trying to transfer the ark from Kiriath Jerim to Jerusalem, but the project failed halfway and uh, they were parked. The ark now is parked in Obed Edom's house. So now in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, 1 Chronicles chapter 16, something happened. Okay, it was after three months. Now David had all is ready. He's already got all in order. He's got already got all everything that he wants to do. The people who are positioned, who, who needs to be in position, the people who are needs to handle the ark. He's already got that all sorted out. He pitched a tent in Jerusalem that is fitting for the ark. Okay? Are you following? First Chronicles Chronicles chapter 16, yeah. Where is the ark now? All this while for the last three months? Come on, you're gonna help me. Where was the ark? Obed Edom's house. Now, where is the ark now? After three months, they are transferring the ark to Jerusalem. Okay. So, 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles chapter 16 says this. In verse 1. I'm sorry, I think you've got to flip to the scripture if you can. 1 Chronicles chapter 16 verse 1, it says, So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent of that David had pitched for it. And they've offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before God. And in verse 4 and verse 5, it says, if, you do, if they can't put it up, you have your Bibles, turn to your Bibles, look at it. First Chronicles chapter 16. First Chronicles chapter 16, it says this, verse 4 and verse 5. And he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph, the chief, and the next, and next to him, Zechariah, Jael, and Shemiramoth, and Jehiel, and Mattathiah, and Eliab, and Benaiah, and, and Obed-Edom. Hmm. Where is the ark now? In this verse, verse, First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 1. In Jerusalem. Okay, in Jerusalem. Obed Edom did not remain in his house. Obed Edom did not remain in his house. He did not stay in his house and say that, oh, my three months experience enough already. Lah. No need anymore. I mean, I have to take care of the art right day and night. For three months, I had the presence of the Lord in my house. That should be more than enough. No. What did he do? He was right there in Jerusalem. He was right there in Jerusalem. He was right there before the presence of the Lord again. He was right there with the ark again because the, when he was in the presence of the Lord, he knew that he wanted more. This was not enough. Three months experience is not enough. I want to be close to where the presence of the Lord is all the days of my life. I want to be close to Him. I want to be where He is. And that was why He was there. Right here in Jerusalem, He was there. He was there. Obed-Edom was there 
serving and ministering before the ark of the Lord. He was not saying, oh, yeah, but I can just lift off the remnant anointing in my house. The remnant anointing that is still there, the presence of God, I'm sure, you know, as long as I glean on it, I'm sure there's still some left on the floor, some left everywhere. I can just take off it. Your experience here in church today for one and a half hours is insufficient to last you the rest of the week. Hello? Your experience here at the camp two years ago, last year, where you had the presence of God so powerfully felt, is insufficient to last you until the next camp. Obed Edom served the house, served the presence and the ark of the Lord three months, day and night. He could have said, Ayah, forget it, like, enough, like, oh my goodness, thank God this thing is out of my house. Enough already, you know. Ayo, so scary. I was trying to make sure all my children and grandchildren don't touch the art. Lah. Have to make sure so many things, nobody is around it. After they get struck dead or so. Can you imagine? He would have said, enough, thank God. Okay, now, now, go, 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 go to Jerusalem. There's so many other Levites out there who can serve. So many other Levites out there who can do the work of the ministry of the Lord. But no, Lobet Edom's house was 10 miles away from Jerusalem. You're talking about 16 kilometers. 16 kilometers is like walking from church to Banda Sri Damansara. Walking. He made an effort. He made a sacrifice. He made something. He did something so that he could get near to the ark of the Lord. He made sacrifices so that he could be near the presence of the Lord. How much are you pursuing the presence of God? How much effort are we putting in to pursue the presence of the Lord? To read His Word daily. To encounter Him daily, to, to seek His face every day of your lives. To honour Him with all that you have. Because it was not, I believe with all my heart, it was not because He saw the blessings that came from it. It was because He had tasted, He had tasted how amazing it is to be near the presence of the Lord. He wanted more. He wanted more. He wanted more. That was not enough. It was not enough just to have the host, the presence of the Lord in the house. I want to be close to the ark of the covenant because I have seen the glory of God and I've experienced the glory of God that, that cannot be replaced with anything else. So many of us have had encounters with the Lord. But how, how are we pursuing His presence every day? How much effort are we putting in to pursue His presence every day that it was not enough just to have that one-time experience? We need to have repeated encounters with the Lord every day of our lives. The Apostle Peter, when he was called into ministry, I mentioned it was at the Sea of Galilee, correct? It was at the Sea of Galilee. When the Lord appeared to him and told him and called and had performed a miracle before him and his friends. They caught a large haul of fish, and it was so big that the nets were breaking, and they brought it back to shore. And that very moment, Peter had an encounter with the Lord. Where was it? Was it in church? It was at his marketplace. He was right there in the marketplace. He was right there in the middle of the sea. Right? And then, after he decided and he told, he chose, he made a choice to say, yes God, I will follow you and I will be a fisherman. I will no longer be a fisherman. He walked with the Lord closely for three years, correct? Every day he was in the presence of Jesus. 
Three years, day and night, day and night, Jesus was teaching them, Jesus was walking with them, Jesus was, was teaching and showing them how ministries, done signs and wonders, He was performing, He mobilized them, He empowered them, correct? Three years. And then something happened. Jesus was caught, He was crucified, He was buried, and He resurrected. He appeared to Him and His disciples. But everything was so confusing. Everything was so confusing, he was, he's probably thinking to himself, is this real? Is this, am I believing a real and living God? Is, is this, is him, his claims of him being a Messiah? Remember, he's been walking with Jesus every day, yeah? He saw signs and wonders happening, and yet he can be still in that, in that state of confusion, of his faith, perhaps a little bit shaken, unsure of what he's supposed to do next. And he needed an encounter with the Lord. Again. And Jesus appeared to him again at the Sea of Galilee. Three years later, same scene. They couldn't catch anything. Jesus appeared, asked them to lower down their nets to the other side, and he caught, they caught fish again. And from that point onwards, he knew that he knew that he knew. Undeniably, without a shadow of doubt, the man whom he is serving is a true and living God. If Peter... The disciple of Jesus, who has been with Jesus day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night, for three years, can still go through moments of confusion and shakiness in his faith. What more you and I? Am I talking to real Christians here this morning? I know what I'm talking about because I can be a minister of the Lord, but the things that have gone on, the things, the circumstances, the disappointments, the things that have happened in my life, if it was not because of God encountering me over and over again, trust me, I would have thrown in the towel a long time ago. We need Encounters upon encounters with the Lord in our lives. We need to want the presence of God in our lives more and more each day. Because that's the only thing that is going to help you to sustain in your journey. All the way to the end, finishing strong. Seeking His face, reading His Word, seeing His Word come to life in your circumstance, in a very tangible way. That's the only way that you can sustain in your journey, in your walk, no matter how young or how old you are. You still need those encounters with the Lord. Amen? Amen? And finally, Sorry, once someone truly experiences the presence of God, he cannot settle for less. Once someone truly experiences the presence of God, he cannot settle for less ever again. Once you truly sense the presence of God, Obed Edom was not satisfied. Three months was not enough. When the ark was moved to Jerusalem, there he was again. Your walk with the Lord every day of your lives, coming to church every weekend, 
these are moments where God encounters can happen. But by the grace of God, we don't have to encounter God only in a specific place. God can encounter us anywhere and everywhere, right? You know, God can encounter Peter in the middle of the sea. God can encounter uh, uh, different ones, you know, by the river, by, by, by the desert. He can encounter anyone, anywhere. I remember God encounters with me in different, different places, in the toilet, la, in, in, in Jaya Grocer. Yeah, God has encountered me in Jaya Grocer before. I remember very distinctively in Jaya Grocer in Empire, in probably aisle four or five where the biscuits are. I remember doing my grocery shopping and I was listening to the worship song and suddenly a powerful presence of the Lord just came upon me and I, and I just stood, I stood there, I had to turn my, my trolley towards the side facing the biscuit and I, I started tearing. I was thinking to myself, oh no, please don't let anybody think that I'm crazy, you know, or I'm having a mental breakdown, you know. It was just the presence of the Lord coming upon me or somebody, somebody could be just coming and say, it's okay, it's just Tim Tams, you don't have to, it's, it's just Tim Tams, you know, you don't have to cry over Tim Tams. anywhere. But it was those encounters that helped me go on. It was those encounters that say, God is real. That you serve a God that is real. You serve a God that loves you. You serve a God that will meet you where you're at. You serve a God that is not just that's based on yesterday's anointing. You serve a God that is, has got fresh mercies, new mercies for you every morning. You serve a God whose grace is sufficient for you. You serve a God that continues to heal, not just in the Bible, but even today. Hallelujah! Amen! Come on, let's give God a praise. And finally, the encounter with God leaves a desire to offer oneself. Encounters with God are always game changer in a believer's life. <clears throat> its result is a changed life and a commitment that is very different on a very different level compared to those who just know of His Word and, and that's it. The encounters with God really causes somebody to be so changed and transformed. As mentioned earlier, the men and women of God who, en who encountered God became so resolute in their hearts and in their spirit to be dedicated to the Lord. And, and I'm not just talking about full-time ministry. I'm talking about people who are resolute, who are just so sure, assured that this is a God that is going to be with them. This is a God that is, that is by their side. This is a God that is real, that if they choose to honour Him and they choose to fear Him and not fear men, God will, will just be in their lives and, and use them powerfully and mightily. I want you to see something that happened to Obed-Edom. His encounter with the Lord not only left him changed and blessed, and wanting more of the presence of God, he wanted to be anywhere and everywhere that the Lord had need for. I need us to turn. If you, if, can you help me, Michelle? First Chronicles chapter fifteen. Now, okay, ah, uh, get back to this again, ah. Uh. Thirteen, they were trying to move it all the way to Jerusalem. Project stopped. They put the house, the, the, the ark in Obed-Edom's house for three months. And then verse 16, the, the ark was already in Jerusalem. Now verse 14, verse 14 and 15 talks about David's preparation. David, within that, in that three months, David was preparing for this ark to be ready, for Jerusalem to be ready for the ark to be moved back there. So chapter 15 was this whole preparation of making sure there were right people to move the ark, making sure that they do the right things, okay, to get the ark to Jerusalem. Okay, let us read chapter 15. Verse 17 onwards. 
So the Levites appointed Haman, the son of Joel, and his, of his brethren Asaph, and son of Berechiah, and of sons of Merari, their brethren Ethan, the son of Cushaiah. And with them, their brethren, the second degree, Zechariah, Ben, Jaiziel, and Shemiramoth, and Jahiel, and Unni, and Eliab, and Benaiah, and Ma Maaseah, and Matatiah, and Elifele, and Mekiniah, and. And. And Obed Edom. Hmm. As gatekeepers. And as gatekeepers, Obed Edom and Jael. Okay? It doesn't end there. Verse 21. Metatiah, Eliphelehu, Milkanae, and Obed-Edom, and Jael, and Isaiah were chosen to play harps and lyres. Okay? Let's go on. Verse 24. Shebaniah, Jehoshaphat, Nathaniel, Amasai, Zechariah, Benaiah, and Eliza, all of whom were priests, were chosen to blow trumpets as they marched in front of the ark of the God. Who is it again? Obed, Edom, and Jehiah were chosen to Chapter 16, verse 4. Chapter 16, verse 4. David appointed the following Levites to lead the people in worship before the Ark of the Covenant to invoke his blessings and thanks to praise the Lord of God of Israel. Verse 5. Asaph, the leader of his group, sounded the symbol. Second of him was Zechariah and followed by Jehiel, Shemarot, Jehiel, Mattiah, Eliab, Benaiah. I thought, I thought the screen now very big, right? Everybody can read, right? From the back also can read, right? What's this? Did I read wrongly? And Jahil, they played the harps and lyres, okay? Verse 37. Verse 37. So David arranged for Asaph and his fellow Levites to serve regularly before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, doing whatever needed to be done each day. Verse 38. This group included... Okay, the son of Jotudan, there was another, Edom, the son of Jotudan, Hosa, and 68 other Levites as gatekeepers. Hmm. Wow. Obed Edom's name was repeated over and over and over again, and they were all for different positions. <laughs> it's the same guy, but all for different positions. Positions anywhere and everywhere that that, that that the that the temple needed someone to do something. Who was it who volunteered? Me, me, Obed Edom. Who was it who's gonna be a porter? Me, me. In fact, I wanted the KJV version because the KJV version tells you that he wanted to be a porter. He was not just a gatekeeper, he was a porter. And then when he came to playing the harp and the lies, it's me or so, it's me, me, I so want to be. And then it, went, it talked about how being the gatekeeper at the Ark of the Covenant, me, me, I so want to be. Everywhere and anywhere that there was a need, Obed-Edom was there. Obed-Edom, basically anywhere and everywhere he could serve, he wanted to be a part. A porter, a gatekeeper, a musician, a doorkeeper at the Ark, be... Be it an usher, be it a musician, be it a, a dog, a, a, what you call this, a doing menial tasks. Just name it. Obed Edom was there. He was on it. 
As long as he was serving where the ark was, he just wanted to be near the presence of God. Obed-Edom teaches us one thing. It shows us that our proximity to God is directly proportional to our productivity for God. Our proximity with God, our closeness, our relationship with God is directly proportional to our productivity for God. Wow. Such is a life that is impacted with the encounter of God that changed him and blessed him and he understands the value of being in his presence knowing that as long as he was doing whatever the Lord wanted him to do, as long as he had those encounters, as long as he understood, he understood his purpose as he was in the presence of the Lord that this was what he was meant to do and he did it and he made a difference. And today we read about it and we're so encouraged by a life that has not just said, okay, this is encounter is enough, but he went on all the way to Jerusalem. And not just all the way to Jerusalem, day and night, day and night, he was still serving the Lord and being in the presence of God. I believe many of us here have had experienced the tangible presence of the Lord in our lives. Had experienced our encounters with the Lord in our lives. But it cannot just end there. A very natural response is to say, God, I want to honor you with my life. I want to honor you with all that you have blessed me with. I want to honor you because, I got, God, I know that being in your presence is far greater than being in anywhere else. One day in the house of the Lord is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a gatekeeper. I'd rather be an usher. I'd rather be whatever in the house of the Lord than anything else. It's not about the position. It was just being available to serve the Lord wherever there was a need. Next weekend, there will be a ministry recruitment weekend. When we do things like this, it's not just because there are gaps to fill. We do, we create platforms for people like you to serve and be a part. Just like David was creating platforms, different things that, the, that Obed-Edom could, that, that they needed help for in the temple. So you and I can have those encounters with the Lord every day of our lives and recognize what is a joy and privilege to serve in the house. And I pray that some of us who have been seated here are probably wondering, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Guess what? so many things as long as you don't think that being potter is a menial task as long as you don't think that being a gatekeeper is a menial task because anywhere and everywhere that there was a need Obed-Edom stepped in in your marketplace as the Lord leads you there the Lord's going to make you a servant for Him making a mighty impact and serving the people there so that they could have an encounter with the Lord through whatever you are doing. Do you know that you can be a conduit and you can be a channel of the encounter of God for someone? Be it in church, be it in the marketplace. But we must long for our encounters with the Lord. We must pursue the presence of the Lord every day of our lives. And it will result in a life that says, God, I'm available. I'm available. Use me.
Amen. Let's stand to our feet.